Molly, thank you. Yes, that is a great message for grown-ups, me being one as well. And in a day that could be characterized as a storm, um, I want to be able to go home this afternoon and take a good nap, just rest. So Tuesday is election day, and I, I'm already overwhelmed by thoughts and emotions. The past 16 years of presidential elections, from my perspective as a pastor of a local church, have been brutal and very painful. I've watched partisan politics, polarity in our political system, the way we are now doing our politics. I've watched it uh, tear the church asunder. And that's really painful. I've had friends walk away from me because they uh, thought, uh, they didn't ever really ask, but they just assumed that I held to certain positions that they didn't. And so they decided, well, I wasn't the pastor for them. Which that's fine, you may decide that, but we should talk about that and talk about what is bothering you. Uh, and then going back to Otto's statement, I, I wasn't, I mean, I was still a kid in 68, uh, but I do, I do remember what it felt like for um, the president to be assassinated and then his brother to be assassinated and Martin Luther King to be assassinated. Those, those were very, very troubling experiences to go through as, a, as somebody in elementary school and moving into middle school. But I'd have to say from this kid's perspective, I don't think it was as strained as what it is currently. I think this is, I think this is the worst that it has, well, I don't even, I, I, I mean, I don't wanna, I, I, from my experience, I know this is the worst political season that I've ever experienced. And then the statistics, when you look at the statistics for this year, it's no surprise that they're not any better. 66% of Americans believe our nation is in decline. 70% of Americans believe if the wrong candidate wins this year, America will never recover. 82% of Biden supporters believe Donald Trump would like to gradually transform our country into a dictatorship. 90% of Trump supporters believe Democrats would like to gradually turn America into a socialist nation. And when you ask Americans about the greatest threat to our future, they reply, number one, political polarization and divisiveness. So based on my experience, what's rumbling around in my head and in my heart, those statistics, I want to state the obvious. Today there is a pretty dark and heavy cloud hanging over our nation. And if it were only statistics, I might have a better defense against the dread I feel, but statistics many times are confirmed by actions. Friday, the Biden bus traveled across Texas. And as it entered Comal County, Comal County, the county I live in, the county most of you live in, the local Trump train closed ranks around the bus 
and escorted it through our city. There was at least one act of violence when a large black truck flying a large Trump flag intentionally bumped into a Biden staff car while traveling side by side down Interstate 35. The police were called, but they felt outnumbered 50 to 1. The Trump train so intimidated those on the Biden bus that their scheduled stops in San Marcos and South Austin were canceled due to safety concerns. I thought there was freedom of speech in America. I thought that freedom of speech was something, regardless of what political party you committed yourself, that, they, that you, we all valued freedom of speech, but those on this Biden bus were denied by intimidation and threats their right to speak to the citizens of Hayes County, of whom 46% are registered Democrats. These actions in my city, in my county, where I, they, they really add to the distress of the season for me. We've never, and again, as I've said, we've never treated one another in this way. And then we really get down to my deepest concern. It's my observation that political polarization and divisiveness are not only the number one threat to the nation, but also the number one threat to the church. Two weeks ago, I suggested a way forward for the church through this fray. I suggested that we all remain active in, in our nation's politics. We, I, we're not supposed to bury our head in the sand. We are, we are to be engaged with what goes on around us, but... We can do it in a non-partisanship way. That means we don't need to practice our politics with the bias of any particular party. There's not a Christian party. And there is not a Christian platform. To believe that is to be naive and vulnerable to deception. Adding Republican or Democrat to our identity is a disservice to Christ. Let me explain by referring to words spoken by Jesus and words written by Paul. Jesus prayed an incredible prayer for us, his followers through the centuries. In essence, the prayer is a prayer for us to be one, to be united to one another, to be united to our triune God without any divisions. A part of this prayer are these words. I have given them your word, Jesus speaking to the Father. And the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word, O oh God, your word is truth. We, like Jesus, 
must learn to live by God's truth in this world. God will not take us out of the world. And as long as we remain, we are not to belong to the world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. By not belonging to the world, there's an enmity between us in the world, but not of the world, and those that are in the world and of the world. Do you get what I mean? There's, there's strife. We don't go together because of our common commitment to Jesus. The world, which includes political parties, are ruled not by the kingdom of God, not by the kingdom of light, not, not by truth, but by the kingdom of darkness. And behind the kingdom of darkness is the evil one. By faith in Jesus, we've been rescued from that bondage, from that darkness, from those lies. And part of our mission now is to set captives free. But if we entangle ourselves in any evil system, we can no longer set anyone free, including ourselves. We can only invite others into our darkness, our identity. Our identity is to belong to Jesus, to his kingdom, to light, to truth, not to this world. Similarly, Paul writes a strong appeal to the believers in Corinth when divisions appeared in the church. He starts with these words, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that he has given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you've been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind just as the testimony of Jesus has been strengthened among you so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship, the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. When we are invited into fellowship, into relationship with God's Son, with Jesus. This is what he gives us. In that relationship, we receive the grace of God, gift after gift after generous gift. Our lives are enriched by relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and with one another in relationship with Jesus. Our testimony of Jesus is strengthened. We lack no spiritual gift. We wait for the return and the final revealing of Jesus and his kingdom. And when the waiting is hard, God is faithful. And we're strengthened to face our trials. So that fellowship given to us, that fellowship with God and with one another, it's so rich, it's so full but it's not secure if we do not deal with our schisms. So Paul continues, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, 
but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Paul asks, has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? As Paul urged the church in Corinthian, I, in Corinth, I, I'm going to appeal to you now. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We do not belong to this world. We are not to be owned by this world or by any institution of this world. We do not belong to a political party. We do not belong to Donald. We do not belong to Joe. We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We belong to Jesus. We belong to the eternal kingdom of God arriving now in this present evil age and coming in its fullness on the day God Almighty determines. And there are no divisions, no schisms, no unresolved quarrels among us. That's the state we are to live in. No divisions, no schisms, no unresolved quarrels. The Holy Spirit is working among us, making us complete by transforming our thoughts and our intentions. We are a people of the kingdom of God who partner with the Holy Spirit, who worship and experience God, who reconcile God with people and all creation, who engage in compassionate ministry, and who pursue culturally relevant mission in the world. Who are we? How do we identify ourselves? What do we do? Our mission? Our purpose? These are what I'm contending for. Who we are, how we identify ourselves, what we do, our mission, our purpose, our identity must never be commingled with other entities. Our mission must not be co-opted by other missions. Our purpose must not be polluted by any other purpose. And why? Because we have a message to deliver and a message to demonstrate to our neighbors. When 66% of our neighbors believe our nation is in decline, and it may be, but the kingdom of God is not in decline. The kingdom of God has arrived, and it will continue to increase until the day that our king returns and restores everything. When 70% of our neighbors believe if the wrong candidate wins this year, America will never recover. But it's not so with Jesus. Our king, Jesus is the same 
yesterday, today, forever. His rule makes everything new, improved. Our neighbors fear a dictatorship or a socialist nation. The kingdom of God is neither. When the government rests on the shoulders of Jesus, all is set right. We have nothing to fear when our faith is in the rule and the reign of Jesus. Finally, there is no threat from political polarization or divisiveness when the kingdom of God comes and God's will is done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's easier to believe that when the church today behaves like the kingdom that is coming. So I want to end with some questions. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to help us be honest to Him and honest to ourselves and honest to one another. Holy Spirit, would you come? You're our teacher. You're our counselor. You're our helper. And you're even the one that convicts us. Holy Spirit, come. Let us hear not just our answer to these questions, but also what you think. Are we part of the problem or part of the solution? Who are we? Have we compromised our identity in Christ Jesus in any way? What is our purpose? Have we been co-opted by others to do their purpose rather than to do what God has asked us to do? What is our message? How are we sharing our message with others? To whom are we sharing our message? Part of our refuge is to believe that God is in charge. And I do not deny that in the heavenlies outside of our universe where God is on his throne is Jesus, that they'll never be removed from the throne. But for that throne, for that rule and that reign to be established here, we must invite that to come. It does not come automatically. The New Testament does teach us that there is the prince of the power of the air. There still is an evil one. There still is a deceiver. We're still very vulnerable people. So my request is, may we pray, like really pray, for this election cycle, 
May we ask God. May we invite God to rule and to reign over our nation. I hope that you're registered to vote. I do believe that we are to be engaged, involved in voting. If you've already done that, so be it. But if you're still waiting to vote on election day, do you submit your vote to God? Do you ask him what he thinks about what you're doing? My prayer is that God will help us at this pivotal time. For he's unchanging. And as we read earlier, he is faithful. He will see us through the best of times and the worst of times. May we be his people. May our, may our identity be people, a people of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.